0: Well, before we dive into today's message, I want to take just a brief moment and ask you all to pray with me. Some of you may have seen the news. So Josh Hibbard, he's our new Urbana campus pastor. He's been kind of transitioning onto our team as he's kind of moving his family from Canton back to this area. Had to uh, rush his wife to uh, the emergency room on Thursday. And then she had to have an emergency surgery done Friday morning due to some health stuff she's had in the past. And so uh, she is out of surgery. Things are going good. But I want to take a moment and just pray for the Hibbard family it's a super busy time of year to even on top of that be moving to a new place and all that type of stuff. So if you would, uh, just bow in prayer with me as we lift up Josh, his wife Michelle, and their three girls. So let's just go to God for a brief moment here. Lord, we uh, pause before we continue in our time of worship to worship through prayer. Uh, we, we thank you for the Hibbard family. And uh, even though our relationship with them is just beginning, uh, the, the love and the passion they have for this community and this church, uh, we pray for Michelle uh, as she he just continues to recover from uh these uh, kind of unforeseen health things. And uh, so we just pray that she finds rest, that she finds peace, that she finds solace. We pray for uh, Josh as he kind of uh, manages the girls and uh, all the stresses and logistics of everything going on right now. So just be with the Hibbert family, be with them as uh, they, they kind of begin this journey and trek of becoming a part of the first family. But most importantly, may they continue to find hope and joy and love and peace in you and you alone in this season. We offer our prayers To you. So now we pray. Amen. Well, Erin mentioned, uh, she mentioned that uh, Christmas Eve is next uh, Saturday. How many of you, I'm curious, have not done your Christmas shopping at all? Anybody? It's okay. This is a safe place. Go ahead. Yeah, you see those hands? They were kind of like, don't look. Honey, close your eyes real quick. And so yeah, I'm in that boat with you. So man, let me just remind us, we got some time and every Christmas season though, the the buying of gifts is very stressful for me because I'm not a good gift giver to begin with, let alone finding something special and unique and different. And so I did some legwork for you and I got a couple things I wanna share with you to show you that if you're still looking for gifts, consider some of these on for size. So first and foremost, if you have somebody who enjoys birds, uh, might I suggest this hat um, of sorts. uh, we're going to have a picture of this hat here where um, you can just kind of enjoy up close and personal hummingbirds. Now, I don't know if this is actually terrifying or fun. It's one of the two somewhere in between, but uh, if you've got someone who likes the outdoors, you can give this on for, for a size. Um, how about this one? If you've got a, a superhero fan, maybe you're redoing a kid's room and stuff. I just thought this was super cool. I'm a big Spider-Man fan myself, and so a lamp with Spider-Man just is, is just super cool, and it's probably going to break within like 10 seconds. But it's cool. You'll have like 10 seconds, get a good picture, and move on. This is the last one. If you have somebody in your life who has said, I want to learn a new language, I want to go to a country, learn a new language before I go, might I suggest that you can teach them how to speak chicken? And uh, the the vocab list is probably significantly shorter than Spanish or French or Portuguese. Uh, And so just an option there for you. I have no idea what is in this calendar, but somebody needs to buy this and give it to somebody and just see what happens. Uh, But super fun. Now, here's the thing. I know that in some form or fashion, if you're like me, you strive to give good gifts, thoughtful gifts, uh, intentional gifts, while at the same time keeping that perspective that our joy isn't just in stuff alone. And we kind of understand this, especially during a season in which there's lots of gifts and things being given, lots of stuff that we are receiving, that there is a difference between happiness and joy, right? I think we'd all kind of say, when it comes down to it, we all know that there's actually a difference between happiness and joy. Now the pursuit of happiness, we could say, is one of the strongest operating systems in our culture, right? That everyone, maybe that, that advice, do whatever makes you happy. But the thing is, is happiness is oftentimes connected to what happens in your life, which means it's fleeting and it's never guaranteed. And the thing is, is God isn't opposed to us being happy, but he has something greater for us in mind. And that greater thing is called joy. Joy is a spiritual thing, as Galatians chapter 5 tells us. It comes from a source besides ourselves. But joy is hard to define, is it not? It's one of those things where you know when someone has it, even though you can't maybe define sometimes, well, how do you get it? Or how do I know they have it and because I'm, and, and I don't. Like you ever met somebody uh, who is going through a really, really rocky time in life. Life's just thrown curveball after curveball after curveball. Or maybe everything that they've tried just has broken and doesn't work. And you expect them to be down in the dumps. You expect their life to just be miserable and depressed and they're just sulking in their tears and yet they have a joy about them. You ever know somebody like that? That somewhere along the lines, they tapped into a secret that says there's a difference between joy and happiness. And while I might not be happy right now, they are still standing firm on joy. Happiness and joy, they can look similar on the outside but couldn't be more different on the inside. And here's why. This is what I believe, is that we can choose joy. We can't necessarily choose happiness because we can't control a lot of what happens to us in life, but we can time and time again choose joy. One is connected to feelings, emotions, an expression of an experience while another is a choice. So let me just ask you this morning. Don't you wish that you maybe had a little bit more control over the joy and happiness in your life? Don't you wish that, that, that the highs and lows weren't, weren't predicated on the wind of your circumstances? And that whether everything is going exactly the way you plan or nothing is going to plan whatsoever, that there's still a way to find joy in life. Well, we can't choose what happens to us most times. We can choose to be joyful in all circumstances. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bible, uh, I invite you to turn with me. We're going to start in the prophet Isaiah chapter seven and read right behind that Luke chapter two, but then we're going to jump to Philippians chapter four for most of the morning. Isaiah chapter seven marks this prophecy, this word given to this man by the name of Isaiah some 700 years before the incarnation, the birth of Jesus. It's at a time when Israel the ancient people of God were in turmoil nothing was going their way and God says have hope because Emmanuel God with us is on his way trust and belief and so th- we're going to read uh, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 and then we're going to immediately jump to this proclamation of what happens so in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 this is the prophecy it says therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 700 years pass, and then we find this in Luke chapter two, starting in verse 10, talking to us about the birth of Jesus. But an angel said to them, as the angel appears to the shepherds in the field, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Everybody say joy this morning. Great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is, my words here, Emmanuel. This will be a sign to you. You We'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests." With this passage, the prophecy and then the announcement of the birth of Jesus paints this picture that God did not send Jesus reluctantly. It wasn't like, well, things didn't kind of, I don't really see how this is going to work out. Yeah, I know, I know the world and people's hearts that are far from me. I don't have any other options. So let's try this Jesus thing on for size and see if that works. No, there was this plan, there was this expectation that Jesus was going to be the great joy of God's heart to us. God did not send Jesus reluctantly. And on top of that, Jesus was a man of joy. People flocked to him, people wanted to be with him. People left behind their careers, they left behind their extended families to drop everything and follow after Jesus. Now here's the thing, is if you were to do that today, would you do it for somebody who was boring? Would you leave everything you have behind to follow someone who was a little lame or mean or didn't treat people right or fair? Of course not. You see, Jesus wasn't just brought to us in joy. He was a man of joy. And even though he lived a perfect life, his life wasn't void of hardship or pain, yet he was still a man of joy. And that man of joy transformed the life of one man, the name of Paul. Through our series in the book of Acts, we got to read a lot about Paul and his transformation. And Paul goes on to write letters to churches in the the letter of Philippians. The apostle Paul at this point has very little to be joyful in in his life. He's in prison for something he didn't really do. People are after him, they want him dead, and he's chained up to soldiers day and night for multiple years, and so he writes to this church, and the whole theme of the the letter of the Philippians is to live is Christ, to die is gain. And this is what he says in Philippians chapter four. Picking up in verse four here this morning, he says, rejoice, it's a command. I encourage you to be joyful, that's what it means. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again rejoice. Verse 10, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at least you renew your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunities to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So imagine for a moment being in the church in Philippi, right? And someone comes in, You, they're gathered together and someone bursts through the doors. Guys, I've got this letter from Paul, I've got this parchment. He wrote us a letter. And you probably begin to talk to yourself. Okay, well, pauls he's, in, uh, he's, 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 he's hundreds of miles away. He's in prison. He's chained up he's di- for something he didn't deserve to do. People are trying to kill him. He's been shipwrecked. What, is, what do you think this letter is going to look like? Like someone who has nothing to be joyful. I, I think of this. Like if I am Paul, there's a good chance as I'm writing that the words probably sound like they're coming from this guy here. Okay? A little Eeyore-esque, right? A little just oh well life is pretty gray but it could get darker I'm in prison again I know I don't want to be here I know you don't want me to be here but here we are such is life well we'll see if God gets me out of it this time he hasn't in the past oh anyways how are you guys doing Isn't that like what you would expect from somebody? And yet he says, rejoice always, I will say it again, rejoice, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well fed, whether hungry, whether I have everything I want or nothing I want. So he doesn't sound like Eeyore, he sounds more like this guy right here. Nothing can get you down. Right? If you've seen Ted Lasso, you understand he has this magnetic joy about the way he coaches his team and he interacts with people. And you're like, dude seems a little crazy. He seems a little far-fetched. That doesn't seem real or natural. But Paul says, it doesn't matter if I'm free or in prison. I rejoice. It it doesn't matter what they do to me because I will preach the gospel. They they, want to kill me? Great. To die is gain. They want to keep me alive, but in prison to live as Christ. And it seems a little weird. He says, rejoice always. I've learned the secret. And when he starts that phrase, I think a lot of us say, I get part of that phrase. Being joyful when I'm well fed. Like, you mean, I just went to Hamilton Walker's, had a nice steak dinner. <laughs> a lot to be joyful about, right? Being joyful when I have plenty. We say, absolutely. We love having stuff and new things and upgrades and all that stuff. And then he gives those caveats or whether I'm hungry or whether I'm in need, whether everything is going your way or not, whether everything is going to plan or completely off course. He says, I've, I've, I've learned the secret to being content. I've learned the secret to having joy. And for a lot of us, doesn't this bother you? The audacity of this guy, how dare he even project that? And aren't you a little jealous too? Think there's something inside of us that says, I know what it is to be joyful when everything is going my way. But is there not a little jealousy that that kind of rises up within us? I would love to know where that type of joy comes from. You see, joy can be found in the midst of circumstances, whereas happiness is always dependent on the outcome, it's dependent on what happens, and only if you like what happens. So, what's the difference? It's that joy is an overflow of our hearts. Joy is an overflow of what Jesus is doing in us. Joy is an overflow of who God has revealed himself to be, whereas happiness is always connected to what happens. Jesus gave his life so that we could have new life. Paul commands Christians, choose to rejoice always, but the world says you need to have in order to have joy. Can we just be honest for a second? Maybe you've had one of these, these seasons. Maybe you're in a season right now where you're not super happy or joyful because of where you are in life or what's come your way. Have you ever been in one, one of those moments where you're, you're having a conversation with yourself and you say, self, here's the deal. I know, th- I know this year didn't go according to plan. I, I know things aren't really working out. I know the, the five-year plan or that relationship fell apart or that company and, and all the profit and loss. And nothing's really going the way we planned it to be. But here's we go, self. All we got to do is find a different person, a better person this time. Self, all we got to do, all we got to do, self, is, is, is get a little bit better, lose about 10 pounds this year. All right, self, here's the deal. Uh, We just got to get a little bit uh, of a pay raise and then we can buy those new things and then we'll be happy. You ever been there before? Where you convince yourself what you just need is something newer or better or different. And then you get that thing. You make that big purchase. You find that different person. You get that pay raise. And then six months down the road, you're having that same conversation with yourself again. Okay, but, but okay, I must've missed that. Okay, this time though, it's gonna be different. This time it's really gonna be bringing me lasting fulfillment. But the thing is, you weren't searching for joy. You were searching for happiness and happiness has the habit of fading in and out all the time. So my conjecture is this, is, is perhaps we hard it, find it hard to be joyful because we are constantly dining on things in this life. We are constantly consuming, trying to fill our hearts with stuff that fades or with stuff that doesn't last. So dare dare I say this and use poor grammar, that perhaps the fuller you get on Jesus, the more joyful you will become. You like that one, right? That was super good. That perhaps there's this cycle in which we are chasing after joy that doesn't work is because you're finding, trying hard to find joy in things that will eventually fade or spoil or run dry. Instead of dining, feasting on the everlasting living water, which is Jesus Christ. Look what the Apostle Paul says in verses 5 through 9 of chapter 4, talking about this idea of rejoicing always. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Pay attention to verse nine though. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, and he says, or or, or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What joy is, is taking our hope, our eternal everlasting hope that we have in Jesus and applying that in practical ways in this life. That The eternal hope we have in, in Christ who lives us and gave himself for us is willing to be that never-ending source of joy in your life, but you must choose to hunger and thirst for him above everything else. And it's verse nine that I think kind of worries me. When I reflect on my life, it's verse nine, where I fall short. Paul says, focus on the things of God, guard your heart, focus on the things that are good and trustworthy and, 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 and pure and noble. And I'm like, yep, 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 yep. And then he says, put it into practice. But like for real, like do we actually have to, you know? And verse nine, I think paints the picture Why, as as American Christians sometimes, in our cultural Christianity, if you will, we have a lot of people who profess to be a believer. We have a lot of people who profess to be churchgoers. Who are searching and searching and searching and searching. Not because we haven't learned. Not because you and I don't know. But because we failed to put it into practice. I think sometimes in our, in our pursuit of cultural Christianity, we want to get as close as we can to Jesus without crossing over the line so we can hold on to as much of the world as we can at the same time too. But in our pursuit of that, we fail to actually put it into practice. It's my fundamental belief that a majority of American Christians today, you and I alike, that we are overeducated in what we know and have learned about Bible and Jesus and church and scripture and we're just not obedient. Like I bet uh, throughout this entire message this morning, up to this point, there's not a whole lot you would probably disagree with. There's probably not a whole thing like, man, I didn't realize that joy and happiness, those aren't the same things, Whew, gotta write that one down. But where you and I, I think often fall short is putting it in to practice. We are educated well beyond our level of obedience. Let me give you a couple examples. Jesus says, hey, you need to be generous with your money. I want to be king of your heart. I don't want nothing else to get in the way. Money doesn't buy happiness. And we say, oh yeah, of course, Jesus, come on. Everybody, everybody knows that. True happiness is found with others. Joy is not found in stuff. And and we say, yeah, of course, Jesus, everybody is aware that we, you know, we don't want to get so caught up and then Jesus, okay, cool, cool. So, so 10%, back to my bride. God loves a cheerful giver. Well, God, like, have you seen the price of gas lately? (laughs) Jesus, like, you know we're, we're, we're in, like, inflation and that type of stuff. So, so, like, you just want me to, like, know that that's where my joy needs to be finding you. You don't want me to actually practice that, though, right? You know, God says, uh, Jesus says, how many times should you forgive someone? Three times? Seven times? And Jesus says in a hyperbolic manner, 70 times seven times. It means an infinite amount of times. Why? Well, you need grace in your life. Don't you want God to continue to forgive you over and over? Of course we do. So forgive as you have been forgiven. But God, like that's like for you towards us. I don't actually have to forgive him. I don't actually have to forgive them. I don't actually have to forgive her. Forgive as you've been forgiven. It doesn't mean you have to reconcile the relationship. It doesn't mean things have to be back to the way it was but you need to forgive them as you have been forgiven. I think one of the greatest tricks that Satan plays in a lot of our minds and hearts today as American Christians, and disciples uh, perhaps across the globe, is knowing the right thing isn't good enough. That The the, the true source of life comes from taking the truths of God, taking that he is our eternal hope, and putting it into practice. Because we can only choose joy when we put it into practice, when we choose to live generously from the overflow of what Jesus has done in our lives. Because here's the thing, is we always have something to give. Whether that's in your money, your time, your talents, your words, your encouragement, we always have something to give. And, and, And when Jesus talks about joy, it's always connected in choosing to be obedient, even when it is most difficult. Can I share just two things that that I believe the Spirit is convicting me with the end of this year going into next year that I I believe are are connected to this idea of joy? I've, I've grown up, and I'm usually a fairly stingy person. And what I mean by that, not frugal, stingy. And maybe you're similar in the sense of like, we all like to be the person who gets theirs covered. I go out to coffee with someone, I like to get my coffee covered. I go out to lunch with someone, I like to get my lunch covered. About two years ago, God began to really impress it into my heart and say, Eric, return the favor. Seek the joy in not being stingy and expressing that gratitude towards others. The second thing is is in a similar line. I'm not just sometimes stingy with my money or finances, which is a struggle uh, sometimes, but uh, I'm sometimes stingy with my words. I'm a passionate person. I'm a driven person. I'm a type A person. We drive, drive, drive. There's a lot of ground to take care of, and we need to see this in our church and this in our service and this. and And sometimes I forget to not be stingy with my words, to encourage to affirm what our staff and our volunteers and our group leaders and everyone is doing in the life of our church. and So God is saying to me in this season right now, Eric, you wanna find joy, you need to live generously. And there's many ways that we can learn to live generously, but that's because true joy is always found in giving, not having, because it mirrors what Jesus did for us and that he gave his life. And then says, You now find joy in giving out of your overflow. Because if we wait, think about it this way if we wait until we have a lot or a little to choose joy, then it's probably going to be too little, too late. Will God all give when I make this much money? Will God all be generous with my words when they get their act together? well, God, I will be generous with my grace and forgiveness once they do it first. If we wait until we have in order to be generous with the things God has given to us, we will never find true joy. Because whether you like it or not, this is the truth right here, is that the most joyful people are often the most generous. And I'm not just talking about money here, that the most joyful people are often the most generous. Like the person who, who just encourages you and encourages you and encourages you for no reason other than the fact that they love you. Probably someone full of joy. The person that, that finds the way to continue to be faithful to God and to the church when they don't feel like it, when they don't feel like the time is there. Why? It's because of what the gifts they've been given. Let me give you a quick example of this. Uh, I was kind of doing some reading about this and I I ran across this article of this elementary school in Bismarck, Illinois. So, you know, about 45 an hour or so away from here. So just north of Danville. And these elementary school kids had this idea. We said, hey, we know that our high schoolers, they're getting ready to go finals and they're stressed out and they're anxious. And so they said, we can't really do anything. We can't help them with their, their calculus or whatever. But what we can do is encourage them. And so this entire elementary school set out to do this. We'll show a picture of their hallways that all of these elementary school kids write, wrote a notes of encouragement. And the day of finals, imagine being a high schooler show up. This is one says, I believe in you, in all of you guys. To a rock star, I bet you're going to get 100%. This last one's my favorite one. This is an awesome note for an even more awesome student. You got this. Imagine being a high schooler and you've just spent the last 12 hours cramming or whatever it is, and you're nervous and you're anxious and you walk in and you see on your locker a note from a little kid, he doesn't know you, you're a rock star, you got this. I believe in you. (laughs) Probably gotta do some translation there, right? Imagine the joy you feel. Imagine the joy those kids felt sharing words of encouragement. So I want to ask you this morning, where can you begin to experience the joy of Jesus through generous living? If we're not willing to be generous with the money that God has given us, if we're not willing to be be generous with the grace that Jesus has extended to us, if we're not willing to be generous with the talents the Spirit has enabled us with, if we're not willing to be generous with the words of encouragement that we can all give, then we are signing up for a lifetime, chasing, fading happiness, and missing out on the blessings of the joy in this life. So how do we go about choosing joy? I want you to remember three phrases in this way. Number one is to look back. So when you're thinking about choosing joy, look back. And what I mean by looking back is look back to what Jesus has already done for you. Look back to what Jesus has accomplished for you, his death on the cross, his resurrection, to give you new life. Look back. Then you look up. Look up to who God is. Look up to his love, shepherding you, caring for you, guiding you, leading you. And then, though, you look forward. Look forward to The life that God has in store for you. Look forward to what Jesus has laid before you. You see when do we look lose sight of joy it's not when we're looking back to what Jesus has done because we should always be joyful there. It's not when we look up to God and remember that he is 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 our king our lord he is majestic we need to worship him. Looking forward to what Jesus has in store for us should encourage us and empower us. When we lose sight of joy is not when we look back look up or look forward it's when we look around and we look to what he has or she has or what they're doing over there. We look around and we compare or we get jealous or we convince ourselves God's with them and not with me. So how do we choose joy again, time and time again? Look back, look up and look forward. Joy is arguably our ultimate response to life in Jesus and not because Christians are immune to hangups or hiccups, rather because we know who we are and what lies ahead. The Apostle Paul, he wraps up chapter four uh, in, in the book of Philippians, in verse 14. He says, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, I set out for Macedonia. Not one church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving, except only you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more credit to your account. I have received full payment, I have had more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I've received from Aphrodite, and the gifts you sent, they are a fragment offering, fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glorious son Jesus Christ. When it comes down to it, joy is like a muscle that we need to exercise. Well, Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, you had joy. You saw a need. You saw an opportunity to encourage. You saw an opportunity to worship and you saw an opportunity to financially partner and you flexed that muscle. So much so others began to do the same. Joy is contagious, but it is a muscle that we need to exercise. It's a muscle that you need to exercise. It's a muscle I need to exercise. It's a muscle we as a church must exercise because what happens to a muscle if you don't work it out? It dies. Our joy muscles perhaps are weak because we forget to work them out. And is it because we're so consumed with having that we forget to live out of the generous overflow from Jesus? I would venture to guess that your joy muscles need to grow. I know my joy muscles need to grow collectively as a church, I'd love to see our joy muscles grow stronger. The question is, what joy muscles for you? Three thoughts, three potential joy muscles as I wrap up this morning's message. Words, wealth, and worship. Everybody has words to give. Someone in our teaching team meeting said this week, unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. That's something I'm wrestling with is is how do I express gratitude more? How do I uh, express appreciation more to my wife, to my kids, to our staff, to our church, to our elders? And here's the secret. It doesn't cost you anything. Did you know that? What if you said every single day your, your job was to flex your words muscle and encourage just one person every day for an entire year? Imagine the difference that could make in someone's life. Some of us, probably for a lot of us, just statistically speaking, the, the one joy muscle a lot of us need to work on is the wealth one. From a statistical standpoint, studies show that, that it's about you know the 80-20 rule, If you ever heard of that? 20% of people do 80% of the work type of deal. The same goes with generosity in churches, that 20% of the people carry about 80% of the church's budget. Let me just speak uh, just, just completely frank to you this morning. As we try to lead in transparency and honesty as, 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 as a church, if we took every household and just, just signified every household the median income of champagne or ban, and then the, every household tithe on that income, the average, our operating budget would be two and a half times larger than it is today. Think about that. We could give away almost $2 million every single year to our community, to international church planting organizations, to people who have yet to even have the, the Bible in their language if we learn to flex our joy muscle in our wealth. But a lot of us, we, we, we hold back from that. Well, God, I don't know if you've seen the Times, and instead, we look at our church budget and we see the red numbers just continuing to grow. It's just the honest truth. Yeah, there is inflation. Yeah, a recession might be coming, but where do you wanna find your joy the rest of your life? An interesting thing about this is usually when times get tight, the first place that people pull back from is their are giving to the church so that they can still find ways to take care of themselves and i'm not saying it's wrong to pay your bills i'm not saying it's wrong to cover your expenses but when was the last time that you sacrificed something to flex that joy muscle in the wealth that god has given to you last one what about in our worship we strive here to talk about worship, not when we're singing songs, that's a part of worship. You're worshiping right now and hearing truths from the word of God. We talk about night to shine, an amazing event to bless our community. That is an act of worship because you give of your talents, you give of your time to bless people. So when was the last time you flexed your joy muscle through worship? 400 volunteers are needed to pull off arguably the best event this community will see in 2023. Do you wanna be a part of it or not? And there's gonna be a lot of reasons why you can't. There's gonna be a lot of things that will vie for that Friday evening. There's gonna be some games that you could do in exchange. There's gonna be some dinner parties that you could attend. Or do you wanna take a step in obedience to God and say, God? Yeah, I've got a few hours. I've got some skills to flex that joy muscle and see the faces of 200 people who have probably never had appreciation like that before in their life. I don't know where you're at today, but you have a joy muscle and it needs to be exercised. So where do you wanna begin exercising that muscle? starting right now. Pray with me as we continue to worship this morning. Lord, we pause to offer up thanksgiving. We offer up praise. We, we thank you that your spirit moves. We thank you that your spirit convicts us. And oftentimes your spirit meets us in the areas in which we really would kind of like it if you don't. But it's because you love us. It's because your hope is eternal. God, may we seek joy of your kingdom. May we seek the joy of your face. May we seek the joy of your bride, the church. May we seek joy in words. May we seek joy in being generous. May we seek joy in worshiping you like never before. Lord, I pray for for anyone here with us this morning. If they need to release seeking happiness found somewhere other than you. May you give them the courage to do so. May you give them the conviction to do so. May you give them the boldness to do so. And I pray as we worship, not just today, as we worship coming up on remembering the birth of your son, Jesus, may we find joy eternally. Fill our hearts, fill our cups. Make us generous. The life you've given to us today. We worship your Son, Jesus. Shame that we pray.